All summer long, we are going to be looking at encounters with Jesus. Moments where he comes to meet with people right where they are and then changes them with his grace. We all need to be growing and changing. We all need to be meeting with Jesus so that he can change us in the ways that we need to be changed. So we can become courageous where we've been afraid, joyful where we've been broken, free where we've been ashamed, forgiven where we've been guilty, so we can have vision where we've been unable to see, clarity where there's only confusion, so that we can be found where we've been lost. We all need to be meeting with Jesus to be renewed and restored and saved by his grace. So, This summer, each week, we'll study one story from the Gospels in which we see Jesus meeting us where we are. This morning, a scene from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. If you have a Bible, you might want to open there now. The story is recounted of Jesus' journey toward Jerusalem and his encounter in the city of Jericho with a great crowd. Many people have come to see him because he's made a name for himself. He teaches with authority, and yet he's accessible. Instead of keeping people at a distance, he's kind and warm. He uses his power to help and heal and change people for the better. Have some of you experienced Jesus' power up close changing you for the better? Word had spread throughout the region that Jesus was an extraordinary man. And so, when news came to Jericho that he'd be passing through, a great crowd has gathered to see him, which is not surprising at all. But there is one figure who appears in this story who is unexpected. He's not the kind of person that you would think would be interested in seeing Jesus. This is the opening of chapter 19 in Luke's gospel. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Two facts about Zacchaeus make it seem like he would not be interested in seeing Jesus. He's a chief tax collector a man who makes his living as a trader, working for the Roman government, a profound betrayal of God's people and therefore a betrayal of God himself. Tax collectors were not allowed to participate in worship. Temple policy made it illegal. With a job like his, Zacchaeus was not allowed to go to church. And then the second fact, he's rich. He has everything he wants. When a man's poor, all he's got is his faith, and so he needs God. But the person who's wealthy doesn't want for anything, no need for God. At least that's the common wisdom. So you would think that this man would have no interest at all in meeting Jesus. But look at the third thing that we're told about Zacchaeus as Jesus comes into town. This is verse 3. He was trying to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. 
Zacchaeus really wants to see Jesus. Even though it requires extraordinary effort on his part, everyone in town hates him, but he joins the crowd anyway. So many folks have come together that he can't see, but he runs ahead, even climbs a tree, all in order to get a glimpse of Jesus. This is a man who is really motivated to see Jesus, which is surprising. Given his wealth and his job, no one in town, not a single person in that crowd would have expected Zacchaeus to show up to catch a glimpse, but here he is. And here is a first lesson for us at Renaissance Church, for all of us. Everyone wants to see Jesus. Even the people who you know, and you would be sure that they would have no interest in him at all, they also want to see him. The person at your office who's antagonistic toward faith, the friends at school who say derisive things about Christians, your children who have decided they don't want anything to do with the church that they grew up in, deep down, every person has a pull toward divinity and therefore, every person wants to see Jesus, even when they don't know it. I was having coffee at my favorite coffee shop in Red Bank years ago when I saw a man who had a shirt with a cross on it. It had a red circle and a line through it, and it said, Christianity is stupid, give up. Now, I wondered, how could anyone feel such disdain for Jesus so naturally I went over to talk to him? I asked him, excuse me, do you believe what it says there on your shirt? I caught him off guard. And as he was looking at me confused, I explained, I'm a Christian and a pastor. I'd like to understand why you think that. Now he gathered himself and he said, no, thanks. I know your type. You're going to try to convert me. It's not worth your time. It won't work. I explained to him, I, I don't want to convert you. I would like to understand why you think that. Now, we were both there to meet other people, and so he agreed to come back another time and meet with me as long as I promise not to bring my Bible. It will be no use, he said. And, and I said, that's fine. I want to understand you. Now, when we met, I expected to hear a series of rational arguments against belief in Jesus, but instead for two hours, he shared his story of how deeply wounded he had been by his old church. His brother's family had been involved there for years and heavily invested, and then his wife decided to leave him. As soon as that happened, he became an outsider in the church. Instead of bringing him close during that difficult time, the leadership pushed him away. He wasn't allowed to enjoy some of the privileges and love that he had previously. He became a sort of black sheep. And then it got even worse when he became ill with cancer. Instead of coming to be close to him, again, they kept him at a distance. And this man explained to me, I cared for my brother as he died of cancer in the hospital alone. No one from church came to help. They wouldn't even let him have communion. And they told me that this was the will of God. It was heartbreaking to hear. 
and sad for me to listen. But what became clear to me was that this man didn't actually hate Jesus at all. What he hated was the way his brother's church had misrepresented Jesus. And this is true. Thoughtful, benevolent people all around us will always reject misrepresentations of God. But what is clear also, and it was for me with this man, that they will still have a deep and genuine desire to see the real Jesus. Otherwise, why would he have decided to meet with me after I told him that I was a pastor? And why would he open his heart to me about all the ways he had been hurt by the community of faith rather than giving me convincing arguments to not believe in Christianity? The people who you know, and, and this is something that you must take to heart and trust, and we must take to heart and trust as a church, the people that you would expect want nothing to do with Jesus still have a pull toward him because God has made all of us to be in a relationship with him. And as long as we are not, our hearts will be restless persistently. They will always be unsettled. The people that you know want to see the real Jesus. All of us do. Everyone. You do too. And maybe you know that and you're aware of it. Maybe you've been carrying around uh, a nagging sense of, of dissatisfaction. Uh, it's time for you to see Jesus again. Uh, just like Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, even though it's unexpected, you and everyone you know also has this draw toward him. Let's see what happens in the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus when Jesus ends up walking toward the tree where Zacchaeus is. And this is verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. Now here is a startling and beautiful surprise. Zacchaeus's interest in Jesus is matched by Jesus' interest in Zacchaeus. Everyone wants to see Jesus. Jesus wants to see everyone. Try to imagine being up in that tree. Jesus makes his way into the crowd. Everyone wants his attention, but he moves through on purpose. He's not stopping for the people who press in upon him. And now he's getting closer to the place where you are. And when he comes to the tree that you've climbed, instead of moving on, he stops. And now he's looking at you. He sees you there and he says your name. He knows you personally. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Don't stay away. Come close to where I am. Enough of this distance between you and me. You want to see me, I want to see you. You are interested in me, I am also interested in you. I am going to come to your house today because I want to be with you. I hope you can imagine that, all of you. Because Jesus is interested in you just as he was interested in Zacchaeus, in being close to you. 
in knowing you just as you are. The incarnation proves it. God's decision to come into the world in Christ is a decision that relates to you personally, exactly where you are, wherever you find yourself right now, Jesus is interested in you because you matter to him. This is something you must take into your heart. Whatever struggles you're having, they matter to Jesus. Whatever family strife you're living through right now, it matters to him. Your disappointment and anxiety and grief and depression, that matters to Jesus just as your triumphs and your successes and your victories matter to him because you matter to Jesus. And that's why he comes to be with you and with us and with all of us. Not only the ones who obviously care about him, but also to the ones that no one would expect to be interested in Jesus and no one would expect Jesus to be interested in, just like Zacchaeus. Imagine now you're not in the tree, but you're in the crowd. Watching Jesus pass by all the people there who are out in the open to see him. The good people that you know from church who go every week. The ones who are upright and moral. Jesus walks past you and all of them right up to this crooked tax collector. Can you imagine it? And then instead of correcting him for his choices, he reaches out and says, I'm coming to your house today. Home visits from the rabbi are reserved for the most respectable and honored people. When the teacher comes to your home, he's declaring publicly, I accept you. Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is, just like everyone else knows. And still Jesus comes to him and says, I want to be with you. I accept you. Can you imagine that? The crowd is not happy about it. And they respond in a way that represents for us a second lesson, a mistake that we also as a church will always be tempted to make. If we're not careful, look at what happens. This is verse 7. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Do you know that sometimes seriously religious people get Jesus wrong? Especially around the subject of who should be accepted. At their worst, religious convictions can be a thin cover for bigotry. At their best, followers of Jesus care genuinely about holiness because God tells us that we should care about what's right and what's wrong. Let's give this crowd the benefit of the doubt. They are uneasy because God does not endorse the kind of injustice and greed that is surely behind Zacchaeus's profession. They are right to disapprove of the tax collector's work and the apparent approval of Jesus' invitation. But here, their mistake is to grumble against Jesus because they fail to see what Jesus is actually doing in this moment. Here is where we have to be on the lookout for the same mistake. Jesus does not accept Zacchaeus so that he will stay as he is. He accepts Zacchaeus to provide the space needed for transformation. 
It's easy for us to imagine people out there who need to be changed by Jesus. For now, try to look at yourself for a moment. Are there places where you need to be changed by Jesus? This is how it works with God. In the same way we see it working here with Jesus and Zacchaeus. Listen. Grace first, then transformation. Acceptance from Jesus provides the foundation upon which a new life can be built. If you could take one thing from our time together from me, from this story, it would be that Jesus comes to you with his grace exactly where you are and he accepts you completely. And you should receive that in order for him to begin the good work of transforming you completely. Because that's how it works with God. And if we can take that to heart, then we are ready to be the kind of community that is shaped by Jesus rather than in all the other ways we may be shaped. In what we say and in how we receive people, we must never give the impression that welcome is conditioned upon being the right kind of person And if you're the wrong kind of person, well, then you can stay away. In Jesus' community, everyone is welcome as they are because Jesus extends his acceptance to all people. And when a person receives Jesus' grace and kindness, that is when everything changes. That is when God is able to get about the good work of changing someone, just like it happens here for Zacchaeus. Look at what happens in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Jesus doesn't even need to say anything at all to him about his need to change. It's the grace of Jesus' kindness and love, the way that he reaches out to a man that everyone else wants to push away, that does the work that needs to be done. And immediately his conscience is awakened and he looks at his life and everything he has, all of the abundance that is his, and he knows in his own mind that it's not right. That he's got all of this because he's been defrauding his own people. And there are There are citizens of Jericho all around him who do not have enough, even as he has more than enough. And so he immediately says, I will give away half of everything that I have to the poor. And he doesn't do it grudgingly. He's happy actually to welcome Jesus and give away what he has. And then he adds, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, four times as much I give to them. And that basically means at the end of this story, he will have nothing left. He will have given it all away. And this right here is a picture of the transformative power of grace. When Jesus comes and embraces someone, it changes everything. It starts with Jesus saying, to me, you are acceptable. And when Jesus says that to you too, and you should believe it. And then it leads to a completely different way of being in the world. Jesus wants that for you also. For you, just where you are, to be received by him and then completely changed by him. Zacchaeus does not stay who he was. He becomes a new person, the person who Jesus says he actually is. And that's what should happen for you too, for your identity to be shaped by who Jesus says you are. Now there's a detail 
in this story, which is completely lost in English. But it would have been plain to the folks in that crowd that day, as it would have been to the folks who read Luke's gospel early on. The name Zacchaeus, it comes from the Hebrew root meaning innocent. So Jesus walks through this crowd of people who maybe many of them think we're innocent because we've been the right kind of people. And he makes his way to the tree where the guy who everyone would say he's guilty is is working at trying to see Jesus and he addresses him in front of everybody, Zacchaeus. And when he says that, it is innocent. Come down and I want to be with you. Jesus has the authority to say that. And Jesus' life says that about us. He was on his way to Jerusalem where he would die on the cross so that the guilty could be regarded as innocent. And when Jesus addresses Zacchaeus as innocent, Zacchaeus decides to become who Jesus says he is, a man who puts his guilt behind him by divesting himself for others and returning all that he's stolen. Isn't that magnificent? Meeting Jesus, and this is what we're going to do all summer, Meeting Jesus means letting him tell you who you are and letting his grace transform you completely into a new person where where you need to be changed. And the question for you to ask of yourself right now is where do I need to be changed? Where do I need to be living as a different person than I've been? Jesus is not going to come to you and pressure you into that. He's going to come to you and love you into that new way of being. Look with me how the story ends. Jesus says something to round it out about his mission, which we'll let guide us in our mission as a church. This is verse 9. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. This is how it works according to Jesus. Salvation comes to us when Jesus comes to us. We don't have to figure out how to find him or how to save ourselves. We just have to let Jesus find us. His mission was to come and find those people who are lost so that they could be found. To be found by Jesus is to be saved, to become a child of Abraham, to be enfolded into the promises and grace of God. Jesus is looking for a meeting with you to find you where you are lost and to save you. And he's doing that for everyone. The people you would never guess would want to have anything to do with him. The ones who seem the most disinterested in him. And so this is going to be how it is with us as his community. We will not believe that there is anyone who really deep down is uninterested in Jesus. We will not behave as if there is anyone to whom Jesus refuses to extend his acceptance. And we will all strive to receive Jesus and happily let his grace change us. And we will be a church that also seeks out those who are far away and lost so that Jesus can bring them close. Because that's why Jesus came. This summer, we don't know exactly what will happen, but we know 
that each time we meet with Jesus, it will be good for us. And so let's pray that our hearts will be open and he will have his way with us. God, we thank you for the story of Zacchaeus and for the unexpected way it shows us how you care for each and every person and how deep down inside every person is drawn to you. God, help us lay down our defenses and wherever we need to be changed to open ourselves up to you and let you tell us who we are. God, change us with your grace and your acceptance. Change each and every one of us individually. And then we ask as a church to be transformed into the kind of community that extends acceptance in the way that we see Jesus extending acceptance. And we ask that you would use the grace that you are able to work through us to bring people to yourself. We love you and we thank you for the gift of time together like this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.